0: Okay, we are in uh, uh, Mark, Mark, uh, ch- chapter seven, and we're going to start reading it, verse twenty-four. Mark seven twenty-four. And let me let me clarify again uh, what we're what we're up to in, in this study is we're studying the chronological life of Jesus, and uh, so now we're entering into the about the last year of his life. The last year of his ministry. And we can track this by by mapping out the the times of the Passovers. Because he was ultimately killed on a Passover. And by working back you know about where you are in his life. And what year leading up to the, 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 the end there. So we are in Mark chapter 7 verse 24. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And he had entered a house. Uh, I'm sorry, and when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let The children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. So, we're just going to look at a few verses here, and then we're going to skip over to Matthew and read the parallel account, because a little bit more is revealed in the, in the Gospel according to Matthew. But one of the things that's here in verse 24, it says that he went into this region of Tyre, and so this is up near current-day Lebanon, so this is out of, out of uh, where there was a high concentration of Jews, and he goes to intentionally into Gentile territory, And uh, he makes several trips into Gentile territory and ministers to the Gentiles. And this is one particular trip. But at this particular trip into, into Tyre, he actually wanted to escape notice and just spend some downtime with his disciples. It was a time of training and discipling. And it says when he went into the house, he didn't want anyone to know of it. This was a time where he was just going to spend with his disciples. There's a time that you need just with your family. There's a time that you need just with a group of believers. And this is what he wanted to do. But it says that he couldn't escape notice. And, and, uh, and then it talks about this woman who was a Gentile, it says in verse 26. Very specifically, it says she was a Gentile, so she was not of the Jewish race. She was actually of the Syrophoenician race. And then another thing that's interesting about this particular chapter, this particular portion, it says, Jesus says in verse 29, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And it says that when she went back home, she found the child lying on the bed. And if you look up what this word lying really is, it says that she had been thrown on the bed. This word lying is really thrown on the bed the demon having left. So, often when a demon goes out, the person is violently thrown, and this girl was actually thrown on the bed when the demon went out. Now, let's look in, Mar- in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, and we'll read the parallel account and focus in on that. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Matthew 15:21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, "'Have mercy on me, son of David. "'My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed.' But he did not answer her a a word, and his disciples came to him and implored him, saying, "'Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us.' But he answered and said, "'I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. So this is Matthew's account as opposed to Mark's account, so both of them saw this, they're both reporting, they're they're not in contradiction, but we see different points brought out in this. And Matthew is a little bit more descriptive, he actually says that indeed she's a Canaanite woman, so we know that she's a Canaanite, so she's from that region, that uh, she's a Gentile, we know from the other book, we know that she's of the Syrophoenician race, just like you can be a Texan, but you might be of the Hispanic race, for example. Uh, so this is, this is just giving us more clarity on the person. Uh, and then look at what she first says. Because if you, if you look at this, you, you might think, oh, Jesus is really mean. This was really cruel to lead her on like this. But let's really look at what, what was said here. So the woman comes to him in verse 22, and the woman from that region came out and began to cry out saying, So it wasn't like she just walked up and asked, but she was crying out, saying, and remember the disciples said, she's shouting, she's shouting uh, at us. In fact, uh, the word is, is, is she's shouting after us, she's shouting behind us. So she was following them and shouting behind them these things, and what she's shouting is, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed, but he did not answer her a word. So that looks kind of harsh. Why doesn't the guy turn around? This is a, isn't this his messianic title? And that's exactly what it is. She says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. Lord, Son of David is strictly the messianic title. Son of David was a messianic title. And remember, after the unpardonable sin, Jesus was no longer trying to display to them that he that he was the Messiah. There was no longer the Messianic message. He wasn't displaying that anymore. He didn't respond to that. He said, no more. No more are you going to get this word. Now, she was a Gentile, moreover, and he was not the Messiah, in the formal sense, to the Gentile, so he doesn't answer her. It sounds rather cruel. But she wasn't asking properly. So, when the disciples now see that Jesus doesn't answer her, The disciples say, in verse 23, And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us, or shouting behind us. Send her away. So when they saw that Jesus didn't respond, they started taking it up upon themselves to now say, Send her away. Have nothing to do with this crazy woman shouting after us. And remember that, that, that statement that um, when God starts hating the people that we hate, we know that we have made God in our own image. So, here, they thought that they could come and start opposing this woman because they thought Jesus isn't speaking to her. Let's just send her away. And this is often what happens, is that, is that we will think, oh, God doesn't care much for that person, and we will become hard on that person. And immediately, God's response to that is to show extra mercy on that person. Remember when Jesus was passing through at the end of his life, he was, he was passing through Samaria, and his disciples, they weren't nice to Jesus as he was heading toward Jerusalem. And he, they said, do you want us to call down fire on these people? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of that he was speaking to them that this was demonic, what they were trying to call down on people. But they had taken up an offense of Jesus, an offense toward Jesus, and they were trying to display retribution in their own way. Here, it would be in the same way that if we feel that someone has offended Jesus, that we go ahead and we proclaim some act of unmercy upon that person. So they want to very hardly send her away in a very harsh way. They want to send her away. And as soon as they do that, as soon as they try to send her away with this harsh word, Jesus says in verse 24, But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So now he engages with the woman. She's shouting at him, Lord, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. He's no longer responsive to the Messianic message, and certainly not to a Gentile for the Messianic message. So now what he does is he's trying to give her the right way. He is helping her. He's making a statement to begin to help her, especially when he sees his disciples coming against this woman. Jesus is actually really quite impressed with this woman, as we'll see. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's exactly right. As the Messiah, you're calling on me as the Messiah? As the Messiah, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's kind of helping her out. He's helping her to understand what's going on. So, so a good teacher doesn't just always just throw it out there. What he's doing is he's leading her to make the right assessment. Verse 25. But she came and began to bow down to him, saying, Lord, help me. Now she's got it right. It's no longer son of David. It's Lord, help me. After uh, uh, we, we came to, to the unpardonable sin, remember what he does? is He heals individuals based on personal need. He no longer is going to heal Jewish masses. We'll see him heal masses of people among the Gentiles but he'll no longer heal Jews in, 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 mass, in masses, but he will heal Jews based on personal need, and he'll heal Gentiles in mass, or as individuals, based on personal need. That's what he will do. Now she says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So now she's, she's doing exactly what she needs to do. Uh, uh, she says, Lord, help me. So now he's responsive. But just to underscore the point, because remember, he's also teaching his disciples a lesson. Everything he does is a part of, of teaching. Just as discipleship is a part of watch my life, watch what I do, and emulate it. This is something that you are supposed to do also. So he, there, he's, he says to this woman, he says, you know, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, in our Western culture, this sounds really bad because of that word dogs. In fact, that word dogs speaks of young dogs, almost puppies. So that's a young dog, and so it's not as harsh as we think it is based on our culture. He just says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. And her reply is, but she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs, and again, this is the young dogs, feed on the crumbs, which fall from the Master's table. She's saying, just a crumb of what you give these other people, these other twelve guys walking with you, just the crumbs is enough for me. That's all I need, just the crumbs. And remember in, in Mark, what it said, it said, because of this answer, go your way. Because of this answer, go your way, your daughter is healed. Because of this answer. This answer showed her faith. Now, You see, what Jesus says, what Jesus really thinks of her. In verse 28, Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Find me. Find me a place where Jesus has said that to any of His twelve disciples. Where He has praised them for their faith. He praised, remember, the Roman centurion for his faith when he said, You don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant is better. Jesus said, I have not found such faith in all of Israel. Find me a Jew that Jesus says, you have great faith to this Gentile woman. Jesus knew this woman's faith from the moment she started asking Him. From the moment she started appealing to Him, Jesus knew the level of her faith. But Jesus was demonstrating to His own disciples, look how great faith this woman has, and she just gets the crumbs. Let me give you an analogy. Students write to me that they want to meet with me and talk to me. And I often say no. You say, well, why is that? Because well, I'm busy. Because I cannot meet with all the students that contact me. Would you agree that there could be a point where you could be, people would want to talk to you so much that you couldn't speak to all of them? Right? That could humanly come to people, Right? Now, I'm not a rock star, but there are people that want to talk to me, and I can't talk to everybody. Now, you guys are special. But you know who's really special? are my own children. I try so hard to engage with them. So I'll I'll look at what they like. So, you like football. So I, I will try to engage them in a conversation in football. Because they really, you know, one of them really likes football. And after the second question, he'll turn to me and say, why are you asking so many questions? <laughs> uh, because I love you? Because I'm concerned about you? I'm just kind of shake it <laughs> and walk away like, what's wrong with this guy? So on the one hand, there's this people desiring to meet with me. I'll meet with one guy this Friday. This was a student who wants to speak with me, not about the Lord, about nanotechnology and things. He contacted me in September. And I told him, I'm too busy this semester. So we arranged a date, which is this coming Friday in January. And he's happy. He replied back, he says, oh great, I'm looking forward to that date. I'll be there, I'll be at your office. And my own son, try to engage with him. And it's not unique to that one son. It's all of my children. If I try to engage with them in a subject, they will tolerate me up to a point, and then their patience runs out, and they walk away, just kind of rolling their eyes or shaking their head. But this is, you see this picture happening. This woman is saying, you just give me the crumbs of what you're giving to these guys. And Jesus says, this woman is satisfied with the crumbs. Do you realize what you're getting? And the ministry that he was giving, not just to the twelve, but to masses of Jews all these years, this Gentile woman, and you see how the Bible very specifically says, Gentile woman, Canaanite, Syrophoenician race, all of them bad, bad, bad in the Jewish eyes. She says, I'd be satisfied with the crumbs. From this man's ministry, that's enough for me. That's enough. That's sufficient for me. And you see this desire, and that's why Jesus turns to her and says, "Woman, your faith is great. This was all a teaching experience for the disciples. As He was teaching this woman, you're not. You don't have to appeal to me as the Messiah. I'm not your Messiah." I came as the Messiah of the Jewish people. Get it straight. Ask me, right? I want you to learn. All you have to do is say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It says in Psalms, Lord, help me. This is the best prayer. Because as soon as you say, Lord, you acknowledge this, who He is. And then you say the word help. Help underscores, I need something. I need something. It's this picture of a woman standing by her car on the highway, with the hood up like this, staring under the hood. Just car after car will stop. That is the universal sign that woman does not know what's (laughs) happening with her car. And people stop to help them. If you want to get help in something, if you put in the subject line of your email, help please, people will immediately respond. People respond to people appealing to them for help. There are many times I can send off a sharp email, you know, you should have done this, you should have done it. I say, help, please. Could you help me, please, with this situation? I really need your help. And then I say the same thing I would have said before. But it changes the whole way that it comes across. Jesus is saying, lady, you got it right now. Just learn to say, Lord, help me. This is a teaching to her. And then he's showing the disciples. That, look, this woman is satisfied just with the crumbs. Do you realize what you guys are getting? And there was a promise of this. And then this woman got what she wanted. Her daughter was delivered. And if you ever have a child that's demon-possessed, I'll tell you, you will cry out to God, have mercy on my child. Have mercy on my child. This is no small thing. If you have a child with a mental disorder, you will be crying out to God all the time for this child. If you have, if you have say, say you have five children, for example, if one of those children, your mind, 80% of your CPU will be consumed with the one child among the five who's struggling the most. The ones that are doing well, you don't pray for as much. The ones that are doing well, you don't worry about them as much. It's the one who's struggling that the vast majority of your thinking time throughout the day is thinking about That child. That's just the way it is. This woman, she said, my daughter is cruelly, cruelly demon possessed. We have seen this in the Bible, what demon possession does. Not just demon possessed, but cruelly demon possessed. This woman was in desperate need. And Jesus knew it. He had no intention of her being shunned away by the disciples. By being, having her sent away. You want God to really have mercy on someone? You see, you be hard on that person. God's gonna turn right around and show them mercy. God will show them mercy. And Jesus had no intention of having this woman sent away without receiving the blessing. Not only that, He praised her for His faith, something that He never did to the Jewish people or to the Twelve in particular. I wanna show you a prophecy in Isaiah 49. This prophecy that God was going to minister to the Gentiles. Yes, Jesus came as the Jewish Messiah. But that was just too small for him to do. God had much more. Look in Isaiah 49, reading from verse 5. And now say, and now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. To bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. So you see, verse 5 is a messianic prophecy. God is speaking to the Messiah. This is the speaking to the Messiah. This is the prophetic word. He says, He says, This is what he, He said, You are going to be formed from the womb. Here's your purpose. You are going to be. Uh, uh, God's servant, you're going to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. You're going to restore Israel to God. This is your purpose, Jesus. Now in verse 6, he said, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. You see what he says? He says That's too little. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may Reach to the ends of the earth. Always, in Judaism, the ends of the earth and the nations always spoke of beyond Israel. Israel well understands what this means. He says, it's too small a thing for my, for my son to come, my servant to come, and to bring Israel. This is too small. I'm going to send him to the nations. I'm going to make you a light to the nations and my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This was always his purpose in coming. Not just for Israel, but for the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by nations, to the servant of rulers. You see what the world thought of Jesus. They abhorred him, the despised one, the one abhorred by nations. Kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So you see that, that, that it says that kings will see and arise. Princes will, will also bow down. You are going to be hated, but he says, I'll tell you, you are going to win in the end. Then he says in verse 8, Thus says the Lord, In a favorable time I have answered you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you, and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people to restore the land to make them inherit the desolate heritages. This is not just for the Jews. This is for everyone. Saying to those who are bound, Go forth. To those who are in darkness, Show yourselves. Along the roads they will feed, and their pasture will be on all bare heights. They will no longer hunger or thirst, nor will they, the scorching heat or sun stroke them down, strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to the springs of water. I will make my mountains a road. I will make my, high, my highways will be raised up. Behold, these will come from afar, and lo, these will come from the north and from the west and from the land of Sinem. Sinem is, is if you look this up, uh, it's believed that Sinem is, is Asia, China. They're going to even come from there. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted His people and He will have compassion on His afflicted. Look at what the Lord has always intended on doing. This is what He's demonstrating to them. He had always intended on doing this. He had always intended on ministering to the Gentiles. And we're going to see him, Jesus, now from here he's going to go back to the Decapolis, to to the Gentile region again, and start to minister again to Gentiles. And you're going to start seeing him ministering in this third period, particularly in this third period of his life, of his life's ministry, of this three and a half year ministry. He's going to minister heavily now to the Gentiles. This was always his intent. Look what he says in verse 11 of Isaiah 49. I will make my mountains a road and my highways will be raised up. He's going to take the mountains and lower them down to make it easy to pass. He's going to take the highways. What do you do with a highway? You always raise up a highway so, so it's not down in a trench where snow and water go in. You always raise it up. He says, I'm going to raise up my highways and make this for you. God has always intended this for us. He's always intended... For us to live in a way that we would see His hand working in our life, giving us far more than we deserve. Giving us things that we don't deserve. That we would excel as His children in what He has for us. God has always intended this for us. This is what He intends to do. To take barriers that other people see as insurmountable barriers and go through them. To lower down the mountains, to raise up the highways, to make the passage clear for us. This is His intent for us. And God means us good. It says that he, he is in favor of our lot. He supports my lot, the Scripture says. God is in our favor. And what do we have to do? He says we must believe without, in faith, without faith it is impossible to please Him. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is in Hebrews eleven six, and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. If you seek God, He will reward you. You seek God, He will reward you. But we must receive this by faith. This has always been His intent. He means good for us and not evil. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your Word. For the truth of Your Word, it is so good. Praise be to Your name, Lord God, for all that You've done for us. Praise be to Your name, my Father, for all that You've done. Father, I pray for these young people that You would so work in their lives to see that Jesus means their good. That when times become hard and they think that God is being mean, Father, that they would see He's just leading them. That Jesus is just leading them to the right decisions, to the right path. Father, I pray that you bring them into a place of great faith, of great faith. And I give this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.